Good evening, everybody, and thank you for coming out in this weather. It's like Florida weather, and I've never seen so much rain in the uh, month of June. I'm so happy to be here today, and I'm so thankful in time that anybody's asking me to bring the word. I, you know, go right to God and say, okay, Lord, give me a word. One word from you can change any situation around. And I believe in that, and I stand on that. I stand on his word all the time because there, there has benefits in our lives, and there, there are lives to live on. It's the bread that he gives us every day, his daily word. And as he was giving me this word, I said, okay. I never really studied on it. I always believed in it, but I never really, really got into it. And as I started for the past two months, I said, God, is Truly, this is what you want me to share with your people. Because whatever he gives me, I always make sure he asks me, what does your people need? What do they need to hear? What do they have to refresh their memories? Because most of the time when I'm speaking, I'm speaking to the people that are seasoned, born-again Christians. Most of the time. As I go walk all over, I meet a lot of people in my walk with God that he gives me in my path. So I always got to be prepared. Preparation every day, saints. We have to be prepared every day in his word because he's coming soon. But he also has work for us to do. Our work is to service him every day. And we must do that diligently. Just like the woman that had the issue. And she pressed her way through. And Jesus said, someone diligently, it's in his word, diligently, intentionally touched me. And that's how we should live for our Heavenly Father. Diligently, intentionally pressing through to touch Him. We must touch Him every day in our hearts. Intentionally. Not just so that we can just do what we want to do, but intentionally and touch his word and be obedient and trust in him where he wants us to go because he will send the people to us. We must always be prepared. Always be prepared. What I want to touch on tonight is really just an appetizer because when I started studying, I said, Lord, I am not equipped I am not equipped, but you know the devil will do that to us sometimes. Let us know, you can't do this, but I am a child of God, just like everyone in here is a child of God. And we listen to him, and if he says, I will equip you, I will give you the strength, and he does. So I say, get back of me, Satan, because God is in front of me, even though I know I see his shadow at times, Jesus. He's always in front of me, cheering me and telling me, and I believe in being faithful. Unshakable hope I have in him, and we should have the same thing. Unshakable hope, unshakable faith in him. Saints, I'm not here to entertain nobody. But if you feel you need to shout when you hear something that touches you, I don't know what people are going through today and here. But I know we go through a lot of issues and trials and tribulations. He tells us we will go through some suffering. He tells us that. But he equips us to go through because he walks in us and with us. Truly believe in that. He said this is going to be the appetizer. There will be another time when the main meal. But will we go and eat and get fed? It's a five-star restaurant. We just don't go to no fast food restaurant in his word. Know this. So this might be your salad or your soup. What I'm going to give you today, we're going to talk about the resurrection of Christ's power. Resurrection power. It was confirmed all through this week. I kept hearing this. Whether it was in music, resurrection power, or somebody up on the pulpit was saying about resurrection power, I said, Lord, it must be, that must be the word. Because I kept going back and forth. Are you sure this is what? Because it's just so powerful. And there's so much. I really need for you to go to 1 Corinthians 15 during this week time and really study. 
1 Corinthians 15 is so abundantly, so much information that he wants us to you to know and who he is and who we belong to. Let's know who your identity is. We're not in no identity crisis. You are a child of God. He tells you that. Know your identity always. Don't let the Satan try to confuse you and give you a lot of static about anything. Because the Lord will strengthen you. He's our Lord and he's our King. Always remember this. Always remember this. I want to go to Matthew 16, 21, just shortly. I'm not going to stay here very long. Jesus predicts his death and resurrection, his suffering. Oh, saints, don't you know we live in a sinful world? And sometimes we need to bring our sins to the altar. And we need to die our sins at the altar, bury them so we can resurrect ourselves with Jesus. It says in Matthew 16, 21, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and to be killed and on the third day be risen. He was telling his disciples. He was revealing truth to them. He was preparing them Just like he tells us, we must believe in his resurrection. Oh, saints, born-again Christians, there you'll be surprised that there are Christians walking today in church, believe that he died, and they believe that he got buried, but some don't believe that he got resurrected. You must never have no doubt that he's been resurrected, because if you can go back And remember where God brought you from in your past. You lay dead what needed to be dead, and you buried what needed to be buried. But he raised you up, just like he raised me up from the dead of my past. And some of you know my testimony. You you know where God had brought me from, just like you know yourself. Just think back for a second. And there's no reason why you cannot give him all the praise and all the worship for him and give him all the honor. We must do that daily because he brought us a mighty, mighty, mighty long way. And when it says in that verse, that time he begins to teach explicitly his atoning death. And that time that he was talking to the disciples. And then when he said, he must go to Jerusalem. He must, he must. There was never no doubt in his mind. He knew his commission. He knew his orders. He knew what he had to do. Oh, saints, born again Christians, please, you must know your assignment And don't have no doubt that he cannot bring you through your assignment, your calling. It is God that has called you. It is God that has waited you. Whenever you gave and surrendered your life to Jesus, I surrendered my life in in my midlife. I was 40 years old, brokenhearted, destituted, homeless with two children. In an abandoned building for three months. When I left there, I could only afford to go into a to a neighborhood that was crack city. Wasn't on drugs. Didn't do drugs at that time. With my two young children. But there where I was, finally, 
situated where there was electricity and running water and not homeless, but barely making it. There was a little church called God Rescue Mission, and I would listen to that music on Sundays and Wednesdays. It was an old Pentecost, classical Pentecostal church. Didn't know nothing about Pentecostal. Didn't know nothing about shouting at all. God has a way. Oh, he has. He knows. He knows we were all coming. He knows. And he knows when your children and your family members that are not saved, they're coming. Hold on. Just keep holding on and pray. Always pray for your family and children and unsaved and unbelief people. Because that's what the gospel's all about. It's about Jesus Christ. And we've got to shout out, never be afraid, never be afraid to say his name. And as I was listening to that music and as time went on and somebody witnessed to me in that church and I went to that church and a week later I got saved and yielded my life to Jesus. But I was broken. My heart shattered in a thousand pieces, going through a very physical, physical divorce. Very violent, volatile. But God knew what my, his plans were for me. Just like he knows your plans for you. He's a wonderful God. I thank him every day. Brought me a mighty, mighty long way. And I still keep on going. In a mighty, mighty long way. Because I believe he says he gives us 120 years and good life. Saints, we've got to take care of ourselves. We've got to be healthy so we can spread the gospel of Jesus. Tell people who Jesus is and what he can do. There's so many hurting people in this world. Too many hurting people. And they're looking for a way out. But I know a way in. Uh-huh. And his name is Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Yes, my God. Yes, my God. You are real and you are alive because you have risen. And I thank you for that. 1 Corinthians 15 is such an important teachings in his gospel. Go and study and read it. I can't do it justice the way I want to because I'm still studying. I'm still learning about the resurrection. It opened me up so much my eyes. I said, Lord, this is so much, but it's so good. Don't ever doubt what God wants to give you. Don't ever find the time. You know, we tithe. He tells us to tithe. Not just in our finances, but in our time. We have 24 hours in a day. Just put that halfway, two hours and some 30 minutes. Tide your time with Jesus. Study his word. Live his word. How can you get closer to Jesus if you don't know his character, his nature, what he promises us, what he wants to give us? He's so gracious, so gracious to us. I thank him. Now, I'm not going to read this. It, it, Verse 1 to all to up to 58, it's too much. I I couldn't digest it to break it down. But just a little bit that I wrote. The risen Christ, faith reality. I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1 to 5. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you, now Paul is here speaking, which also you receive and in which you stand, by which you also you are saved if you hold fast that word which I preach for you unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died. He's telling us Christ already died for our sins, According to scripture, we believe that. We know he died for our sins. Because there would be no condemnation on us if he didn't. And we thank you. It's at the cross. It starts at the cross. It starts at the cross. And it finishes. It finishes in his resurrection. And that he has, and that he was buried. And that he rose again 
the third day according to scripture. I missed verse 3, excuse me. You know, the, the, the devil's a liar. You're not confusing me. At least I've got new contacts, and the lighting is always, for me, is, is a glare. So chapter 3, I mean, verse 3. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried. He died, he got buried, and then he rose again the third day according to scripture. Everything is according to scripture. Thank God for that. And then we're going to go to the risen Christ, our hope, because Christ is our hope. From verse 12 to 19. Thank you, Jesus. Can we get a praise and thank him for his goodness tonight? Because you know, he's a wonderful God. He brought us through, not just yesterday, but he's bringing us through today and tomorrow. He brings us through. No matter what we go through, he brings us through. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Lord. You're a good God, an awesome God, and a touch from you, Lord Jesus, always. The risen Christ, our hope. Now, if Christ is preached that he has been risen from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? We have people that are like that. But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. We can't say that he got risen if there's no resurrection. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. must have faith in his resurrection. must know. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up, if in fact the dead is not raised. And if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. We must believe this, Lord. We must believe this in what the Lord has said. We're always going to go through the first death, the physical death, but we're not going to go through the second death. We're going to have eternal life because he tells us that. That's where our hope is, regardless. Regardless of what people believe or not believe, listen to what he gives us in his scriptures. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ and we are all men the most pitiable, we must believe, we must believe that we have this. And at the end is our final victory. Oh, victory in Jesus. You know, I'm sure all old classical Pentecostal people know about that. Victory in Jesus, that song. The victory in Jesus. We must believe that we have victory no matter what the circumstances are. No matter what we see. No matter what we hear. No matter what the devil tries to confuse us in us. That we have victory in Jesus Christ and victory only in Jesus Christ. And I thank you for that, Lord Jesus. And that is in verse 50 we're going to go. Now that I say, brother, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Now, not flesh and blood. Nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery talking about a hidden truth. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Oh, we will all be changed. That's shouting burst. That's a shouting burst. We'll all be changed. He tell us we will be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, we'll hear that trumpet, folks. Twinkling of an eye. Quicker than that, I thank you, Jesus. We're going, we're going home. We are eternal life. And I thank you that he did it at the cross. He did it at his death. He did it when he was buried. And he did it when he rose up. Because he did rise up. They didn't find nobody. They didn't find it. Nobody stole it. Nobody. Thank you, Jesus, for that. 
For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed supernaturally. Yes, we will. For the corruption must be put on incorruption and this mortal must be put on immorality. So when the corruption has put on the incorruption and this mortal has put on immorality, then shall we be brought to pass the saying that it is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, yes, death. Death is swallowed up. We should not be afraid of death. Of course, we, we do have that naturalness. We do. First the natural, then the spiritual. But it only should be for a second because we know we will be going home with Jesus. We'll be going home, saints. He's prepared a place for us. He doesn't leave us hanging with nothing ever. He supplies everything for us. Oh, glory be to God. I thank you, Jesus. Oh, saints, this is a happy time. Not to be sad. Not to be sad. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, Hades, where is your victory? Hell doesn't have victory over us at all. God took care of that for us. He gave it to us. And we won't have to even go through that. That's why he came. He knew his purpose. And he did his orders. The sting of death is sin. And the strength of sin is the law. And we're not bound up to that anymore. And thank you, Jesus. But thanks. Oh, there goes that but. you got to watch that but in verses. And he says, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast. Be steadfast in his love. He's steadfast in us in his love, and we must be steadfast in, in him. We must love him always, no matter what comes our way, no matter what we don't even understand. Say, I'm yours, Jesus, and always will be yours. Stay firmly on the rock of his foundation which is Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Be immovable. No matter what comes, no matter what anybody says, do not be moved by false doctrines or false people that come your way. Know the word yourself. Study it and give it out and minister to people. Be immovable for Jesus Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Work. Work means to service the Lord. Always service him. Don't be afraid to step out. Don't ever be afraid to step out. This month of June for me has been astonishing. Because sometimes I have to sit back and just watch God. Especially after things are done, I sit back and I meditate and I'll talk to him in my prayer. You know, prayer has a lot of notations. You can just be intercessory prayers wherever you are, at home, in your secret hiding place, or here in church. We have an awesome team of intercessory prayer people. They're warriors for Jesus Christ. I'm just a little my you person when I go on Sundays. I wish I could be here on Tuesday, but I'm somewhere else serving the Lord in my job for him. But I always thank God for Tuesdays when the people come together on one accord and pray because he'll shake things up. He'll shake it up. Today, even when I was studying and getting things in order and meditating, I said, look at you, God. It's very dark and early. I usually work, but you, when I have to give the word, I take the day off. So I can just meditate with him and be with him and be in a quiet place in the home. No traffic, nothing. And when I listened and I saw what he did, I said, look at you, God. It was dark at 11 o'clock in the morning, 12 o'clock, thunder came, lightning. I said, look at you while I was studying his resurrection. I said, my, my God, you're an awesome God. You know, he'd give us a backdrop, you know. He'll give us a scenery 
power with him. Yes, he will. You know, Pastor. He does. When you get in that deep, deep, deep place with Jesus, when you shut off everything out of this world around you, just listen. Oh, the sweetness in his aroma, this sweet aroma, this is so awesome, so grandeur in his majesty. He's oh, king of kings and lord of lords. We should never, ever have to, never stop talking about Jesus to people, people. And sometimes we have to minister to ourselves. We have to do that. And then he says, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. You must know that. Understand that. That it's never in vain, no matter what we do for Jesus. He knows. He knows all about us. He knows our heart. He knows the center of our heart. But you must be careful what you say out of your mouth because the principality of air, the prince of air, comes and tries to steal it and use it against you. Oh, saints, that is so true. Be careful of what you say. Because what you say and then you want to praise him at the same time when you're trying to put somebody down in your family, your husband, your wife, your co-workers, even the saints here in your church. I don't know who I'm talking to right now, but I'm not here to reprimand nobody. I am not your judge. But I'm come to warn. I come to warn. Stop the gossiping. Don't bring me no gossip. I don't need no gossip. Just recently, some came to gossip. I said, what? I had to go home and purge myself, cleanse myself in his word, because I didn't need to hear none of that, especially intercessory prayer warriors, because we have to keep our minds clear. So when God brings us to people and he wants us to give them a word in their prayer to lift them up, we can't have no static. But the enemy, he's so evil, that's what he does. Sometimes people think I'm antisocial, but I'm not. I have to stay away from a certain group of people. I have to. Because I want to serve the Lord wholeheartedly, diligently. Instantly, I want to keep touching him like the woman with the issue. She just wanted to press through and whatever she could touch on him. Because he turned around and he said, I feel my virtue going on. That's what I want to happen. I want to hear his heartbeat. We have to hear his heartbeat, saints. And we can't when we let people in with a whole bunch of nonsense and foolishness. Can't have it in the body of Christ. Doesn't belong. Pray on it. Whatever the enemy's trying to do to you, pray on it. I know people come and go. I've been in the ministry for 30 years. And Pastor, you've seen it. First Lady, you've seen it. Ministers here, you've seen it. They come and they go. Pray for them for whatever reason it is. But don't let it tarnish your soul and your spirit. I'm telling you, I'm warning you. And I thank you, God, that gave me. I did, this was not in my, in my notes. I'm just letting the Holy Spirit take over. I'm just letting him take over. Jesus. We're growing, saints. We got to stretch out and grow and mature in Him because there's work to be done, but the time is shorting out. It really is. We don't have much time. We don't have much time. I want to share with you a story that I came across. I want to go to John 20. If you care to go there, that's fine. If not, that's fine too. <clears throat> I'm going to read from 1 to 7, but I want to focus on verse 7 in the end. I really enjoyed the this, this story that I came upon and then with his word about the empty tomb. Now, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early. Now, I'm not going to focus too much on Mary, but I like Mary. <laughs> I can relate to Mary. A lot of people think she was a prostitute. We don't know. It never said that in his word. It said that she knew a lot of men. 
Now, was she a whore? I don't know. Now, I don't know what she did with a lot of men. I'm quite sure she was probably promiscuous. But God will use whoever he chooses to use. He knows what he's doing. I look at God. He uses me. <laughs> you heard my testimony. My life, before I was with Jesus, I was out there. I did many things. Many things. I was a business lady. You know, I'm a little bourgeois, so I can say business lady. But I was a prostitute at a very young age. But God cleans up. He surely does. I know his power. I know his resurrection power. Not on mine. I'm not ashamed to tell my testimony. And you shouldn't be ashamed of your testimony either because he brought you a mighty, mighty long way. James, you know. You was out there in the world. You know what it is. I'm not singling you out to make you feel bad. But share your testimony. Tell people what God has done to you all through your life. He'll put you in places. Of course, I don't just tell anybody my testimony. I let God tell me, share this. There's somebody here. He doesn't tell me who it is. Needs to hear this because they're doubting. We can't doubt. We've got to help them along, saints. We have to help them, build them up. Let them know who their identity is, young and old. The children out here are suffering. We've got hurting youth, killing each other. We live in a very violent world. America is very violent. You see it every day. Children being lost, being snatched, human trafficking, drugs, gangs, all of that. Young age. I'm talking about eight, nine years old. I see them every day. I just did a graduation last Tuesday. 157 youth graduated from my school in a quasi-military school, but they were lost children from 16 to 18. I'm getting ready to pull in another group. 200's coming. I know what I'm going to see. i got to stay prayed up. i got to put the all out there on that campus. There are a lot of so many demonic spirits and our children possessed, oppressed. I deal with mental illness, these children, bipolar, drug addiction, broken homes, don't know who they are, running around crazy. Sometimes all I can do is just pray. That's all I can do because they don't want to listen. And not just where I work at. It's all over. It's running rapidly in our youth. We have to stay prayed up. We have to pray for the unbelievers. We have to pray when they come through these doors to come and give them a word. But we got to live it so they can see our light. We have to shine for Jesus. Who will ever believe us? Who will ever follow us? We will go through some suffering. Trust me. Not just in our body, but in our spirits too. Because the enemy is always chasing after us. Just hold your ground. Hold your ground. Don't be unmovable. The only time you move, you move for Jesus. Be on the move for Jesus. Be on the move for God. Long live Jesus Christ. Long live his word. Long live the blood of Jesus Christ that purges us from sin. And I thank you for that, Jesus. I know what you're capable every day, Lord, and I thank you for that. So here we are with Mary Magdalene, went to the tomb early while it was still dark. She didn't know what she was going to find, and she didn't care it was dark. She got to go find her Jesus. That's how we should be, too, no matter what is going on. We know where Jesus is in his word. Got in there. The devil's going to try to... I distract you, try to make you depressed and oppressed and don't want to get in the word. Shake it off. Shake it off. Get in that word. One word from God could change any situation around, and he will do it. One word, and then you stand on that word, and you look up the scriptures and what they need and study it. Marinate yourself in the word so you'll always be prepared. Be ready.
ready. Don't get ready. Don't get ready. Don't get ready. Be ready. Be ready. Be ready. Be ready for him. Always. Because he's coming and we don't know the hour. And you want to be out there putting out that word, Jesus is our Savior. Be born again. Be born again. Be born again. And saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Now that stone is a heavy stone. Heavy stone. But it was rolled away. It wasn't there. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and the two, the other disciples whom Jesus loved. The other disciple was John. And he said to them, they have taken away the Lord and of the tomb, and he was not, did not know where they had laid him. Peter therefore went out and the other disciple, and they were going to the tomb. So they both ran together. But the other disciple, John, outran Peter and came to the tomb first. And he stooped down and looked in and saw the linen cloths laying there. Yet he did not go in. He didn't go in. I wonder why. I don't know why. Maybe he was a little skeptical. Maybe he was afraid. And isn't that like us? When we see something we know that we need to do, but we're a little scared and a little afraid. We have somebody that we can lean on, and that is Jesus. Don't forget that. I get scared and afraid at times. Yes, I do. I'm a tough cookie. Been out there in the world. I'm tough. I know how to handle certain things. But I cry. I hurt. I got wounds. But I don't lay on those wounds because I know I know there's a bomb out there, and that's Jesus. He will heal no matter what you go through. He'll bring you through. He'll heal you. We must believe in his healing power because that's what he did at the cross. He took our sins and he healed all the diseases. Yes, he does. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. Peter went into the tomb and he saw the linen cloths lying there. Now I want to go in verse 7. And the handkerchief that had been around the head, his head, Jesus, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded together in a place by itself. That is a deep scripture. I searched it out. I read the scripture. While he laid there and Jesus rose up, there was linen on the ground torn up strips, but then there was a cloth, a handkerchief, a face cloth, as some scriptures said, that was on his face. Now, if you knew Hebrew tradition, there's a story about a servant and a master. And while the master getting ready for his dinner, the servant always prepared with excellency. You see, when we prepare and be prepared daily in Jesus' kingdom, we have to have an excellent spirit mind, an excellent spirit heart. And as he prepared the plate and the dinner utensils and everything that was supposed to be in order, and before the master comes, he always slips in the back not to be seen. So when the master comes and sits down, and he has his dinner accordingly, and when he's finished, tradition goes in Hebrew back in the day, and even today it should not change. It should be the same. And when he got up, if he got up and took the napkin to wipe his fingers, his hand and his clean his beard and if he took the linen and crushed it up and just threw it on the table that meant he was finished and then the servant could come and 
clean out the rest. But if the master got up and did the same thing and took the napkin, wiped his fingers, his hand, and cleaned his beard and folded the napkin and placed it on the table, that means he was coming back. <laughs> and when Jesus got out of that tomb, he didn't throw that linen cloth, that handkerchief. He folded it because God is still in the sign and wonders and miracles. And he's telling everybody, and it is written in the gospel, he's coming. Yes, he is. He's coming back because that's what he tells us. And you must believe, have faith, unshakable hope unshakable faith in his word. He's coming back. Oh, that's something. That's a shouting, shouting verse. You need to shout and dance in the aisles. If you need to do a tumblesaw, do a tumblesaw. If you can get out of your wheelchair, get out, stand up and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, wonderful Savior. Oh, wonderful counselor. Because that's what he does. He counsels us. He's our advocate. He advocates for us. And I thank him for that. And he's a waiter. He has a tender heart. He waits on us. He waits. Are we waiting on him? Think about that. Are we serving him the way he wants us to serve him? In his deeds and his works that he gives us. Our assignment, no matter what it is. No matter what trenches he takes us in. He took me somewhere. I tell you, June of this month has been an eye-opener. And I had to go back home and digest it all and just listen to see what he was doing and what he was showing me what he's going to be doing. Not just for me, but for everybody here in this room. The people are coming. Saturday, a young lady, young lady, just gave premature birth to twins, two beautiful girls, less than two ounces. She wasn't due until August 30th. I went to the hospital. I prayed with her. I prayed and prayed for her. Her back, and this, this is significant. And no judging, but she's gay, and she's married to another woman. Now, technology is something to me. I mean, I've heard about insemination. I know a little bit about it. But let me tell you how crafty and decipher the devil is and what he's doing to this generation coming up. And if you see it, it's growing. It's growing. But if they come, you pray for them. I had no problem laying my hands because Jesus laid hands on the sick and the disease and the palsy. He laid hands on them. No matter what, they were sinful people. He walked with them and he ate with them. He didn't live with them, so I ain't telling you to do that. <laughs> but I'm telling you, do not be afraid to lay hands on them. And then she, she told her story. She felt comfortable enough that I could ask her certain questions. Because you just, these questions were deep questions. Because I wanted to know more. Because I need to know more when I have to tear down those strongholds. When I'm praying for people, i got to have that vision, what that stronghold, what that root is. And then she told me her story. cost her a lot of money. She wanted to be pregnant, so she went to an agency where they have, where she can donate her, her eggs, and then and, and, uh, somebody would donate their sperm. So when I asked her about this, I said, the person, do you know the father? She said, I don't know him, but I have a name, and he... And he his background, and um, when the children are of age at 18, they will be known who their father is. I says, well, did um, did she? Did he have to? Because she kept, she kept saying he um, donated, but something was telling me this wasn't donated. So I said to her, he donated, or did he um, get paid? And she says he got paid. So of course I didn't say this to her, because don't forget I'm trying to. Show her Jesus. She knew Jesus because when I asked her, when I said, do you want prayer? And she said, yes. And I said, well, I want to let you know who I pray to. When people ask for prayer, I always, 
let them know who I pray to, who my God is, and that's Jesus Christ. And I'm not ashamed because a lot of people, they don't know who you pray for. They're thinking you're praying to their God. But I let them know who my God is, and that's Jesus Christ of Nazareth, my Lord and Savior. And she says, oh, who else? Who else it would be? So I knew that she had some training. She had some knowledge. And I prayed over her. But when I went home, I digested. I said, God, what what were you showing me? He says, how evil this world is, worse than Sodom and Gomorrah. So he's the prostitute because he got paid, okay? Because he didn't donate. He got money for his sperm, and that's what people are doing. Men are selling their sperm, prostituting themselves. And women, because they want so much to have children, even though their lifestyle is unbalanced on this earth. That's what causes unbalance. And yes, homosexuality is nothing that God has us to even entertain or be in. But do we have it? It is widespread. It's widespread. So we need to service, talk to them, teach them who Jesus is. Because time are running out. And we're having them. You, we're going to have transgender. We, I hear it when they call me at my school. I've had it a couple of times. And the only thing that saves us is that we don't take transgenders right now in our school. But they're coming in our schools. Because whatever the government right now, whatever is on the birth certificate, if it says male, but they say that they're a girl, we ca- I cannot put them in a male, a male barracks if they're on their birth certificate, a girl, and vice versa. That's the only thing that saves us right now. But what's going to happen when the government, somewhere along the line, because you know I'm not into politics, but politics, they'll be in there and they'll change it because that's what they are, transgender, and they'll change that law. And you're going to find our schools, public, private, whatever the school, we're going to have it. Are we prepared to deal with that? Are we prepared to deal with they come in our church and we talk to them? Is in the Old Testament, even though we're not bound in the law, Jesus tells us in Deuteronomy, women don't dress like men and men don't dress like women. Am I right, Reverend Rodriguez? We have to stand on that. We have to teach that. We have to minister to people because they don't know. They're lost. They're blinded. They're deaf in their ears. Their mind is twisted, because that's where the devil is at. You must know how. He's powerful, but our God is more powerful than that. More powerful than that. So like I said, he's coming. He's coming. Oh, Jesus, how thank you. I just want to go. i got to get out of here, because my time is up. I ran it over five minutes, and I want to be punctual. But um, but I want to go to uh, John 14, 3, quickly. And it says, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. He says he's going to prepare a place for us. He's coming again, and I'll receive you to myself. Jesus saying, to myself, where I am, there you may be also. That's an awful, powerful statement, and he promises that. That's one of our benefits to us. Stand on that. And my last scripture, and then we're going to go home. And I hope I fed you. Like I said, I can only give you the soup and the, and, and the salad, not just the appetizer, because 1 Corinthians 15 is so powerful. Go and study it, please. I urge you. You will not be um, sorry that you did. Trust me. I'm going to go to 2816 quickly, the Great Commission. Oh, Jesus. I don't know about you, but I'm having a good time. I'm not even tired. Usually by this time I'm in bed sleeping. <laughs> God is a good God. I swear. Okay, there. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. Now you got to understand, there were some that, that doubted. But the importance of our church is the Great Commission to be born in the contents of worship. We have to worship Jesus in everything and thank him for everything. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All of 
authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. What an awesome God. Look what he's got. All authority. The devil has no authority. None whatsoever. When he blinds people and think that he's so powerful. But this is what Jesus is telling his disciples. He's teaching them because he's preparing them because they're going out to minister. And he prepares us for us to go out to, to serve him. And his ministry, it's not our ministry, it's Jesus' ministry. <clears throat> go, therefore, in verse 19, this is the Great Commission. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations and baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. That's what we do. That's what we're supposed to do. Are we doing that today? Really? When they come through these doors or wherever he sends you, in the prisons, where they're in a prison, incarceration in walls outside on this earth, are we teaching? You know what we stop teaching? We don't teach about sin, not how to do it, but what it's all about. We've got to bring back the teaching and minister to people what sin can do and destroy our souls and our spirit. We've got to teach it and not be afraid because the numbers are going to go down in our parishioners. Stop that. God is going to do the increase. He'll do the increase no matter. As long as we teach the gospel the right way, bring back the old gospel, bring back revival, set people on fire in Jesus' name. And the last verse, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and to I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And the age means everlasting, eternity. Don't forget, God's name is Emmanuel, which means God with us. He's with us. Call out his name. He has many multitudes of names. Find out his names and what they mean. Call out to him. He hears us. He loves us more than what we deserve, but he created us. I hope something tonight has helped somebody. Like I said, I was not here to judge, but it was crucial that I obeyed what the Holy Spirit gave me and added to share with you what's going on. <clears throat>